And we're back on the show as we continue on a niche member. We're getting inside the ED or the emergency department somewhere, I, I think, a few years ago, as we get into it, this episode with Rebecca Griffith, uh, people never even considered physical therapists being there. That's how it goes, right? That's the arc. It doesn't belong there. Well, I guess maybe a little bit. Actually, it's pretty great. Yeah, we can't live without this. But how do you start that? Why does a PT deserve to be in the ED? And what do they do while they're there? We answer all these questions with Rebecca, who's doing the thing. Uh, make sure you understand that niche Vember prize pack. We're giving away 10 digital boost packs. If you want to stand out online, you need to do it a couple different ways. So our friends at Dot Physio are going to be able to give you a Dot Physio domain. That's your website, whatever. Instead of .com, you could be Dot Physio. Whatever it is, you, your name, Dot Physio. Uh, a customizable website. And some time with some expert. Kobe Robinson is a copywriter, help you clarify your message. And Christine Walker is a physical therapist and uh, also runs PT Website Secrets. Listen, if standing out in a digital, in a crowded digital space is, is frustrating to you, this is the solution to that. So we're giving away 10 of these digital boost packs. Check the show notes of this episode to enter that contest. All right. Couldn't do this show without some uh, supporters out there, our friends at GetSunMed.com. That's your CBD store. Giving you the ABCs of CBD. You should understand what it is because people walking in front of you as a clinician might be using this over the counter. You better understand this thing. So get that insight. Uh, and what's something a, a physical therapist, a healthcare provider uses a lot? That's an EMR. MW Therapy is an all-in-one outpatient EMR that understands that your time is valuable, right? It delivers a modern all-in-one outpatient EMR at a great value. MWTherapy.com, where switching your EMR is easy. And then finally, where's your PT career going? That's what our friends at Jackson Therapy Partners want to know. They want to know where you're going. They provide awesome adventures in patient care for physical therapists who care about where they're going. Maybe you want to do travel physical therapy. Check them out now at jacksontherapy.com. Now, let's get to today's episode on Niche Vember here on PT Pinecast. Rebecca, your hair looks great. Not it was good, amazing. But great. Welcome to PT Pinecast, where we have great physical therapy conversations on tap. Rebecca Griffith is here. Hi. Hey. Cheering. Do you hear? I pipe in my own That's crowd very noise. fancy. Everybody does that, though. Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy McKay. We all pipe in our own crowd noises, because I'm in my house, and you're in your house, and where would the crowd be? I mean, I make my own sound effects, usually. Feel free at any moment during this episode. That's good. Like that, the yeah. Michael Winslow. Do you know the Mike? You know who Michael Winslow is? I don't. You've never seen Police Academy? Oh yes, I have. He was crazy. Oh, Do what was his name in that? Michael Winslow. Oh, like what was he his had name? A name? I can't remember what it was, but I watched all all Police Academies with my dad, like Police Academy one through six. Hightower. Uh, was the Michael big Winslow guy. is an actor. He Sergeant Larvell Motormouth Jones. Yes what it was did not see us going in a police academy direction no, when I can't record for this episode uh thanks for coming on the show thanks for coming on in my birthday month i celebrate my birthday all month long i don't know who started doing that years ago and first i mocked it and then i was like this is brilliant Just it was me milk it oh yeah birth month is a whole thing i'm a leo though and so we're pretty self-absorbed is that august yeah oh yeah do you want to do you want to know why I know that? I don't know anything about astrology. I know I'm a Scorpio and I know August is Leo because that was my fake ID uh, birthday in college. <laughs> and you had to know that crap when they question. Kids, don't use fake IDs. I never did that. I'm saying if I did that, right. I think the statute of limitations is passed on that. I'm 42. I think I'm clear. 
I'm double the age of that I needed to be when I was using when I wanted to use a fake ID. Um, so you're here at Niche Vember. Yeah. And the idea is uh, we've interacted before, but I, I forget what I even asked on Twitter. I think I just asked, like, what's your niche? I was like super curious because a lot of people will talk about how narrow things go an inch wide to mile deep. And I'm like, these are super interesting because I mean, I remember going into PT school. I sort of jump into things kind of ass backwards where I'm like, this seems nice. Let's go. People are like, did you do your research? I'm like, yeah, totally. Did not do my research. Yeah, that would be me. When I went into PT school, I was like, I don't know, sports and older adults. And when people break things and then I get there and I'm like, whoa, this is wider and deeper than I thought. So I was like, what? I, why not donate a whole or dedicate a whole month to niches? Mm -hmm. And you've got a cool one. So yeah. Describe your niche when you get to talk and, and educate people on your niche. Like when people say, what's your niche? What, what is your niche? Well, I practice primarily in the emergency department and I would, yes. I would just like put out there that I have the coolest niche. That is pretty cool. Do you know where the first time I ever heard about PT in the emergency department niche was? Tell me. At Graham Sessions. Well, you'll be speaking in January. Oh, sorry. Oh, but we won't talk about, we can talk about who's speaking, but the rule with Graham, Graham such is you can't talk about who said what afterwards. That's the sort of fight club mentality of it. I love it. But that was the first time I, uh, um, Carlene Jogodka, uh, jo mm -hmm. I met her and she was like, explain this to me in the back of the room. Cause when I go to conferences, I do not sit. I stand in the back of the room. I pace, mm -hmm. shake. I do that. She was also a fellow pacer and shaker. And she was like, I work in the emergency department. I was like, I don't, I didn't hear you. I was like, what? Say that again. I don't thought I, you said emergency department. She's like, I did. And I'm like, I didn't know that was a thing. But it's a thing, and so does Rebecca. Rebecca does it too. It's totally a thing. And just a shout out to Carlene. She's like one of the godmothers of emergency department physical therapy. She's amazing. So what the heck is that? Like, how do you describe it? Well, the way I usually describe it to people is that I think physical therapists need to be there at that safety net location. I think we need to be there to help people through some of the most difficult and stressful moments of their life. Like nobody wants to be in the emergency department, but I think physical therapists have to be there. Why? Well, so think about it. If you if you were going to send a family member to the emergency department with low back pain, for example, oh. would you want to see a physician or would you want to see me? I mean, I would want to see you because I know you don't like you, but you want yeah. to see someone who's sort of, I, guess, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm spitballing here, who's probably more comfortable seeing that and not just going to like, you know, give you some pills and kick you. Yeah. You know, and the standard treatment protocol is usually like reassurance lidocaine patch, maybe a muscle relaxer and discharge. But we have patients that are coming in like stuck prone on gurneys screaming because their back yeah. hurts so much. So I usually joke with my outpatient colleagues, like you've never actually seen somebody with acute low back pain, like what I call acute low back pain. So, you know, I think spending that time with those patients really makes a huge difference. And then when you think about the patients who wouldn't otherwise see a physical therapist anywhere, Right. Whether it's because they're undocumented or it's because they have no health insurance or it's because they have no time because they work a job that doesn't fit with our standard banker's hours of physical therapist practice. We need to be there to help those people. We also think about like early access to physical therapy and how that can really make a difference in the trajectory of that person's mm -hmm. recovery as well as healthcare spending. If you see a physical therapist immediately, it seems like all good to me. I just thought about this. Like when we say, when we give the the pain scale and we're like 10 out of 10, 10 means mm -hmm. you're going to the hospital right now. Like yes. you're the person who's like, yeah. oh, you said 10 out of 10 and you, oh, poof, you're here. Yeah. And and if you had a patient that came to you in your outpatient clinic and they were in so much pain, you sent them to the emergency department. Where hit me. Yeah. 
where do you work? Tell everybody where you work and, and, and sort of show that off. Yeah, I work at a major academic medical center in the uh, Denver metro area, University of Colorado Hospital. How did you get into, how did you find your way to that? Well, that's kind of a long story. We, I had I always think. kind of oh, wait, known. Wait, don't ask what you're drinking. Hang on. What oh. are you drinking? I, oh I blew through that. See, I forgot. I'm drinking a very dented can of bubbly that was dropped mm-hmm. on the garage floor by one of my children. I believe it's pronounced buble. I saw some commercials saying it's pronounced buble. Only if you have a radio DJ voice. I am drinking uh, Line and Kugel Summer Shandy. And you might be mm. thinking, Jimmy, it's fall in upstate New York where you are. How dare you drink a Summer Shandy? And I am in charge here. I am holding on to summer as hard as I can. So cheers, Rebecca Griffith, for coming on the podcast. That is one of my favorite summer beers, but it is 2 o'clock here, and I have to drive the kid carpool. It's fine. It's not 2 o'clock here. Um, <laughs> thanks to our friends from Owens Recovery Science, a single source for PTs looking for certification in personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. Find them online at owensrecoveryscience.com. I don't even have to read that anymore. They've been sponsors so long. They've been supporting the show from like year two or something when we first asked for sponsors. So thanks. to the- Oh, we're doing a live show with those guys this month. I mean, we're recording in October right now, but we are doing a live show at Sacred Heart with Owens Recovery Science uh, at Sacred Heart University. So now I got my plugs in. All right. Now, how did you find your how did you find your way to PT in the ED? Like explain that story. Yeah. So what would happen would be that we would be working in the rest of the hospital. Well, like I might have be on the neurosciences unit or the orthopedics floor or the med surge unit. And then every once in a while, there was like this magical pager and people would call and say, Hey, like we have this patient in the emergency department and we can't, we don't know what to do. Like they can't quite be admitted and they can't quite go home. Can you come down and help us figure this out? And so I, I would do that, but at the cost of my other patients. So those other patients might not get seen, but we had to prioritize the patients in the emergency department because otherwise you're causing bedlock and throughput issues. So it would be kind of an issue. And some days you might see seven and some days you might not go at all. And there are a lot of PT and ED programs that continue to run like that. But for us, I decided like, let's just see if we can start a pilot program to see if we're just there all the time, if we can kind of expand that practice and then meet the needs of everyone in the hospital. So I had a really awesome team with me and we started that in 2016. We did a 30, 30 day pilot and the provider satisfaction rate was extraordinary. The PTs were satisfied. The patients were happy. We were meeting our productivity and we were helping with hospital throughput. So it, they pretty much like the survey results were do not let this end. We need to keep these people here. And we just finished a second pilot program, adding a second PT. Good for you. You did it the right way. I mean, you, you, you thought about it in a cool science way, which is like, all right, let's do a pilot, which is like a study. And you're like, there'll be metrics. There'll be KP. Did you, did you look at objective measures? Like, was there, I mean, I'm sure there was, right. You had to, you're at a hospital. Yeah. 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 What what, what were like, what was one or two like things that you looked at? Well, the biggest things. So when we were asking like our administration, like what are, what are the benchmarks for success here? They basically wanted us to make sure we weren't slowing anybody down because like turnaround time in the emergency department's huge that we were hitting our productivity. And those were the two big things they really wanted that we were not, not impeding operations and that everybody was happy. Happiness and not slowing them down. Was there anything that you found in that pilot or since then that was like, Ooh, didn't, didn't see this coming, but this is great. Like any other things that you're like, I mean, obviously people saying, don't let, don't let this end. Like keep this, keep this. Is there anything else you guys saw that was like a happy accident or some outcome that you didn't expect? Yeah. I think some of those things were 
decrease unnecessary admissions to the hospital. It was a huge oh, number. I'm sorry, that sounds like it's a money saver, a cha-ching right there. It does, doesn't it? And then also uh, decreased bounce back. So emergency departments often look at bounce back rate. How many people come back? And, and usually there's a set defined window. For our hospital, it was nine days. How many patients come back within nine days? So discharge, and, and if that person returns within nine days with the same condition, that's... Or any condition. Or any so they look at both. Okay. So patients that were coming back within nine days for any reason were like 15% less likely to come back if they had seen a physical therapist, but they were 50% less likely to come back for the same condition. Wow. And that was during our pilot program. So it was, it was great for us to be able to say, Hey, see, like if this patient came for low back pain and they saw us, they were much less likely to come wow. back for low back pain. Do that again. So 15% less likely to come back for low back pain, but 50% less likely to come back for anything. No, no, opposite. So like about 15% less likely to come back for any reason, but like 50% less likely to come back for the same reason. With our most recent pilot program, we really looked at patient satisfaction data a little bit more carefully. And we routine, I think our average was 4.88 out of five on patient satisfaction scale. So a, a patient who interacted with you was rating you 4.88 mm -hmm. out of five, which is pretty yeah. good. Um, expectations. Uh, I expect a lot of PTs still, I mean, I found out, I met Carlene at, you know, in like 2017 or something like that. Even mm -hmm. I was like, I'm a PT. I didn't really know about this. Yeah. I imagine patients or, or, you know, people walking up a show like, what are you PTs in the, like, so yes. how's that go? Or how, how, how have you experienced that? Well, for the most part, patients are really receptive. There, there are really? obviously Good. some patients that have never heard of physical therapy because they've just never been exposed, whether due to socioeconomic status or other social determinants of health, they're just not aware of physical therapy. Um, but we did have an incident recently where uh, a patient said to one of my therapists, like, I want to see a real doctor, get out of here. Like, I don't, I don't want you. I, I'm not here for that. And the physician just like, totally backed that PT up and was like, I've seen you, you can leave if you'd rather. And so I actually went in instead of the other therapist, just because they had, they had not treated my therapist very well. So I went in to just see what I could do. And when I came back in, they were so gracious. Really? Oh, they, and once they realized that like we were the option, they were very willing to participate and they were great. Like we had a great examination. We had great intervention. The patient was so grateful when they left and they wanted to see the therapist they had kind of rejected earlier and shook their hand and wow. like, sorry, man, like we got off on a bad footing and they just didn't know what the value could be. Yeah. Expectation, exactly. communication. Yeah. I do feel like our physicians do a really good job, though, setting us up like the doctor of physical therapy will see you next. They are the people who can help you. I don't have anything to offer you, but they can help you. And so I, I think they do a nice job managing those expectations for the most part. What should someone who maybe is like, this sounds cool, like they're nodding, they're listening right, right now. They're in their car and they're nodding. First of all, if you're listening in the car, you're nodding. Watch the road. Watch the road. Uh, but if they're nodding along, like what would you want them to know about practicing in the ED if they're going to either seek this out or do what you did, which was like, I'm just going to invent this, which is pretty bold on your part, by the way. Well, definitely standing on the shoulders of giants, right? There have been people practicing in the ED since the 70s. So I took all of that learning from them to help develop our program. But if, if you are listening, you're like, well, that sounds kind of cool. I'm here to tell you this is the coolest thing ever. We get yeah. to see patients of all kinds. We get to practice at the top of our scope. We know two days are the same. So, so if you like 
knowing what your day is going to look like, if you like preparing in advance, if you like a nice moderate pace with low stress, like maybe it's not for you. But if you like practicing at the top of your license and helping with differential diagnosis and like really impacting patients, the Delta is huge. Like that change you can make in that short amount of time is enormous. And it's so rewarding. Um, physical therapists must be innovators at the top of their scope to fill gaps in healthcare. This feels like there, there was a gap. You identified it, right? There's, there was this thing. It happens sometimes. What if a PT was there at all times? It feels like, I mean, that's, um, my boss's definition of, of innovation. It's innovative. And a lot of people, um, get locked up on, well, what does innovation actually mean? And, and I like David's definition because he's Australian and he says it with an accent. So it sounds smarter, <laughs> but it's also good because he's smart. And it's uh, find a problem where everybody kind of says, that's not my problem. And then solve that problem. So you were like sitting back and you're like, Hey, sometimes I get called here and sometimes I help, but sometimes like it causes, if I leave, it causes a lock somewhere else. So you're like, Hey, let's innovate and let's solve the, pro let's really solve the problem permanently instead of just you know trying to stick a finger in the in the in the, the dam that's leaking and it sounds like you're innovative how how else can you innovate where are some things now that you've been doing this for a while do you want to start looking even for because we, we're we're in our pt pinecast book club and we read upstream and if you haven't you should um where can you go now that you, you right now where you are is upstream for where you started but what's even further upstream from where you are now well, so we just finished a, a second pilot where the physicians are directly triaging all musculoskeletal issues that are ambulatory to a physical therapist instead of a nurse practitioner or physician assist assistant. And we are collaborating with them when we need to. But so instead of them being triaged to another healthcare provider and then maybe to the physical therapist, we are they're doing maybe like a two minute triage and then sending that patient to us. And then we're making decisions about that patient's care after that, whether that if they require imaging, whether if we think they need medications, we'll get somebody involved with that if we're making referrals to other providers. But we are taking on that patient's care, whether that's recommending they not go to work or that's providing dry needling or manual therapy. And so we're getting involved in that patient's care instead of another healthcare provider. So for me, it's that right provider at the right time. And I would like to see that if we're talking about innovating in other areas of practice. Like, why aren't we responding on site when people are having workers' comp injuries? I have so many of those patients coming into the emergency department that, that don't need to. Like, why isn't there a mobile business that goes out to evaluate on-site injuries by a physical therapist? Write that down. Why are we not in ambulances when a patient calls because they've fallen? Why are we not going out there with a social worker to see if we can keep that patient from coming into the emergency department? All right. So you're in the emergency department. 30 years ago, you said it started in the 70s. Oh my gosh, that's 50 years ago. Never mind. I'm bad at math. Because <laughs> <laughs> to me, everything's like 2000, 2001. 1999 for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so that was crazy then. And now it's mm -hmm. not so crazy. But what you just said sounds crazy. Like a PT in an ambulance. That's insane. But like, who, my question is, who do you have to convince or where would you start to make that go from great on the crazy end of the needle, the needle touching crazy to, oh, not so crazy to, oh, yeah, why didn't we do that before? Like, where well, would I think you start? where I would start would be like going out to educate your your fire, your firemen, your um, EMS personnel about things to look for when they're in the home, because I have so many patients that are brought in by EMS and I have questions like. What is that patient's house looking like? How many times have they called you? Because often like the patient will say, oh, this is the fifth time I called them. And they said, I had to come in this time. Or those patients that are like red flags, 
there that like I have a patient who comes in frequently who calls 911 to have somebody change her channel or adjust her blinds because she's not functioning at home. Right. Like that should that there should be a response to that. There should be a safety net for that. But if we not had teams right if that could go out and handle that, then we would be able to get ahead of that a little bit more. So I think for me it would be starting with how do we educate our first responders on things to look for so that they know when they need to get physical therapists involved or a social worker involved or a case manager involved, or just what information about the home is useful. The other issue is when they come into the emergency department, they never bring the patient's assistive devices or DME with them. Mm. So even if you have a patient with spinal cord injury that uses a $30,000 custom power chair, that stays at home. And then you paralyze the patient when they get to the hospital. And I can't mm. mobilize them without that. Right. So right. I think those are some things I would start with. Wow, that's, that's a lot of good points. Well, probably also the way to start with is um, I forget his name. I'll look it up in a minute, but he was a physical therapist who decided to embed himself actually in Denver, the Denver fire department. I'll get his mm -hmm. name. I interviewed him before. Yep. And that was the way to do it is like, all right, I can pat myself on the back as a physical therapist or pat my profession on the back or beat my chest. I don't know why it's always back or chest, but we're always patting backs and beating chests about how great we are. Um, but what you did and what that PT who embedded himself in the Denver fire department did was they said, I'm going to do this and we're going to study it. Because knowing who who the de the decision maker is, like that's it. Like I was told, like you want to invade a country. First of all, we shouldn't. Let's stop invading countries. If you want, but if you do, if you want to, like, let's how about this? If you want to cure malaria, you don't ask just anybody. You ask like the person who can make the decision to push the button to get the malaria medication uh, flowing. So I feel like, did you? Who did you do that to in your hospital? Like, what was the person's like position? And how did you know who to find that person? Because I feel like if someone's listening, they're like, I want to do this. They want tactics. Oh, well, I can definitely help you with that. We we can help you with that from a one-on-one -on -one mentoring and consulting perspective. But I would say the biggest thing that I did was identify who all the stakeholders are. Like, yeah. there's not just there's not just one guy. I mean, there was a guy and he was one of the administrators of the emergency department. And, you know, obviously you have to get your rehab directors buy-in, but there are so many levels of buy-in that have to happen to make that happen from the yeah. bedside level with your nurses and your techs and your paramedics, all the way up to your attending physicians and then your hospital administrators, because everyone has owns a different piece of that. Understand. We learned everything we needed to know in super in Sesame Street. Who are the people in your neighborhood? So yeah, exactly. identify all the people, and then how do I open a cool communication channel with them? Understanding what's important to them, what KPIs don't don't overcomplicate it. What things are important to them, and how you can speak of their language. And when you start doing that, crazy things like this happen. Yeah, there's this guy named Jimmy, and he told me that you have to find other people's problems, and then you have to solve them for them, and then you'll get business. And that's yeah. exactly how it happened. So I had a physician say, like, you know, I just want to be able to manage back pain without you. Can you just give me some general exercises yes. that I can give to all of my patients? And I said, well, you know, I ha I ha would like to be able to manage infections without you. Like, can you give me some general antibiotics right. to take care of that language? Way? And he said. Well, no, I would need to like do an examination. I said, yeah, same. So we had that conversation. And then after every patient I saw with low back pain, he would hammer me with questions like, what did you look at? What are, where did you come to that conclusion? Why is this the problem? What are you going to suggest that they do? Why can't they just do this? And at first it really stressed me out. But then after like the 10th session, he said, 
I've learned that physical therapist bedside examination skills are outstanding and there's way more nuance to this than I ever thought. And so now I'm just going to call you and I'm going to let you handle this because you are definitely more well equipped for this than we are. Yeah, but Rebecca, why didn't you just tell him that it was super complicated and he would understand? Well, because that didn't seem very effective. Because he would have been like, whatever, like, because on show and tell day shows more fun. 100%. It is. This is coming from a guy who who told people things for a living. But mm -hmm. the really great broadcasters and the really great podcasters are people able to tell you something and then make it into a show, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to earn your spot in this setting. You have time. to earn it. Every, every day, time. every new doc, every new resident, like you, mm -hmm. you have to earn it. I had a case where I had a patient who I was pretty sure was having stroke and the medical team disagreed. But one of the great things about being in the hospital system is anybody's empowered to call a stroke alert. Hmm. And so we did that. We took advantage of that. And the patient was having a stroke. It didn't change the management in this particular case, but it sure changed our credibility level. And so now when we say to physicians like, hey, you know, I have these five concerns. They are ready to go. I asked a physician the other day, if I asked you for an MRI, what would you say? And she said, I would go, oh, no. And then I would order the MRI. <laughs> so that's like wait, wait wait where is that initial oh no coming from though like it must be serious oh not like oh like, no like oh no for the patient Got like it, it must if you're asking me for an MRI it must be serious Got it. Mm -hmm. this sounds and I've, I just gave a presentation this morning to PT students from Nazareth College and I was like the parallels between physical therapy and communications so everything you just said there was building a relationship mm -hmm. with the public or people who are outside your team that's public relations yeah so if you had just met that if that person if that physician walked in off the street that was their first day there and they don't know you from anybody mm -hmm. it's not really their fault for them not trusting you you don't have a relationship yet right but if they're in the physician's lounge and they're like some pt just asked me for an mri they're like oh actually here we trust our pts Yes. Because they they bat super high, they got to, you should do that. You're like, oh, okay, that's and then that skips public relations and goes into culture change, which that's we have only built over time. It's part of our attending onboarding that really? they learn about physical about therapists this. and what that we is provide. Dope. Yes, and that's I round it, regularly to remind them and to discuss cases with them. As you should. That's cool. That's what I call baking it into the cake, man. Mm -hmm. You can sprinkle stuff on top, just throw it on top and maybe it'll stick, but maybe it'll fall off in the box. But when you bake something into the cake, it's in every bite. And that is how you, yeah. Onboarding you're in, you're in every bite now. Yeah. And then we add sprinkles, add some sprinkles. Yeah. Sprinkles aren't bad, but if it's not in the cake, you never know. Well, we also integrate ourselves into training our physicians and our, our nurse practitioners and our APPs. We give them a presentation on what the physical therapist wants you to know about low back pain. We help them with differential diagnosis of dizziness. I routinely hand out journal articles to them. You know, hey, you know, I thought maybe you would want to take a look at this about cervical genic dizziness. Maybe it's something you haven't considered in the past. Mm -hmm. And people are so receptive because it's such a teaching and learning environment. It but you didn't, well. you didn't tell them anything. You were you were showing them an opportunity to learn with them. Like, hey, I'm, I'm you know, this isn't like, oh, well, actually, which is probably two of the worst words to use in, in back to back. Well, actually, you're like, hey, this is super interesting. What are your thoughts on this? Is a way better to say, way, way better thing to say than, well, actually. Well, actually, I don't know <laughs> about that. <laughs> 
but I, it really has helped tremendously to be able to just have those dialogues. And then I learn things from them as well. And that helps elevate my practice. Yes, of course. Right. I mean, for any, anybody in any position, I won't single out any um, person in any healthcare space. Right. But for anybody to think I can only teach, I could never learn. They would never say that out loud, no. but they might act like it. Right. Someone, some, but the really smartest people that I know anyway, are con are typically the last to correct and the first to say tell me more like what does that tell you to, i mean to me it tells me a lot those people are smart for a reason yes 100% and i think that when we listen first that helps us be able to share what we're thinking a little bit better and by having like your communication laid out in advance like i always think about what am i going to tell them first if I only have 20 seconds of their attention because there's an ambulance coming, what is the critical message that I need to pass on so that this patient gets the effective care that they need? Yeah. I just saw a Twitter thread and I saved it because I do that now. I book I didn't realize you could bookmark tweets. Did you know this? I literally just found this out. Yes, I might have some of yours bookmarked. I used to copy the URL and email the URL to myself and save them. Like I'm going to read it again. And I never did, but now that you can no. bookmark it. So let me, let me see if I can share this on the screen in case you're watching the live, the live stream. Uh, there it is. It's from uh, Rodrigo Gerardo MD. So let me see if I can bring it on the, on the screen. If you're watching the live stream, Boop, there it is. Let me make it a little bit bigger. Nope. That's not bigger. That's smaller. That's bigger, <laughs> even bigger. There it is. So this was really cool and sort of like what you were talking about a second ago, which was he gave a, a thread for directed at med students and interns. But I think this is applicable, especially what you were just talking about. And the whole thread was like calling for a consult can be nerve wracking. A long time ago, his chief taught him how to call a consult and it has him steered him wrong since. So here's a thread and I'll share the thread in the show notes. It was brilliant because it literally was like, listen, you've got like like what you just said, 20 seconds or 30 seconds. So first, he's like, introduce yourself, say what you want, and how urgent is it? it is. So who are you, and what are we talking about? Who and what? Get that out of the way. A lot of times, people will skip to, are you busy? Yada, yada. Like They'll get into the pleasantries, the small talk. Get to it. So I'll share the thread. I don't want to go deep into this as I didn't plan, but this it made me think of this because, uh, because I saved the damn thing. And it's important because time, if time is a concern, you do need to get. We use in journalism, it's the it's the inverted pyramid. It's the it's the uh, it's the important stuff up first, right? There's an acronym in, in the military for that too. I forget what it is, but I'll think about it in a minute. But it's like get to the point quick. Yeah, right? and I'm a I'm a chatter. It's terrible. I will chat. I'll chat to you about just like anything because when I'm not at home and I get to talk to adults, I'm like super excited about that. But. I learned very quickly that I needed to just be kind of direct into the point and also like not to take anything personally when communicating. But usually when I need information from them too, I just say, Hey, I'm Rebecca. I'm a physical therapist. Tell me what I need to know. There you go. Who and what, who and what uh, bluff B L U F that's the military acronym uh, bottom line up front. What's the bottom line? Hey man, that's cool. It's cool. It's cool. What's the bottom line? Like I'm Rebecca. I'm the physical therapist. Okay. And now have context. Yes. What do I need to know? Bottom line up front. And then right. I give them the same. I usually use the SBAR method. Situation, situation, background, assessment, and recommendation. Situation, this is the situation. 
this is this is kind of a little bit about the patient. This is my assessment, and this is what I recommend you do next. And that's right. It. Don't bring me a problem without at least at least a suggested mm -hmm. alternative. I mean, I was taught that early, and if you're somebody in the audience listening who has not, and I realized this, this was not common. This is not common sense because I was a second career student, and there were some people. Most of the, my classmates had never left academia before they went to PT school. And if you're going to walk into your boss's office or you're going to walk into a situation and you're going to start talking about the situation on the, on the walk to your boss's office, be thinking of some options or at least one. Do not bring me a problem. Do not be the cat who drops the dead mouse at my doorstep. Unless you have to. Unless you have to. But and then be like, just own it. And then, right. But, but, but start to help that person out. Give them context. Hey, yes. from my vantage point, and it doesn't have to be a complete solution. From my vantage point, we got to get this dead mouse out of here. Yes, thank you. It's not obvious unless until someone says it. And here, here's a way or two I think we could get this dead mouse out of here. But that's bluff, bottom line up front. Well, S-bar, again, situation. Background. Oh, S-B-A-R. Situation, background, assessment, response. I like that. Recommendation. Wait, wait, wait. S-B-A-R. Situation, background, background assessment. Assessment, recommendation. Recommendation, okay. So, yeah. you know, I just finished working with the patient in room 19. They came in because they had acute low back pain and right leg weakness. My assessment is that they might have an L4, L5 impingement or whatever the case might be. I do not see any red flags. My recommendation is that we refer them to outpatient physical therapy and discharge them. So that person is going, cool. I have complete, I have context of at least what's going on. Some of that is what you, th what you think from the facts, but at least now I can say, okay, I can either agree with you or ask you a question. Hey, have you tried? Yes. Yeah. This is great. Like I am now up to speed. This is bottom line up front. And often they don't necessarily care what I did. Like, and your question might be, well, are they feeling any better? And I'll say, yes, I did this, this, and this. Their pain is now from an eight to a four, or I completely relieved their pain with traction or whatever the case may be. Right. Or I, I needed to provide gait training with a front wheel walker. Can you please put in an order for that might be the recommendation also. But just being quick to the point and getting the patient out, because that's my goal in the emergency department, is that the yeah. patient leaves. I'm not the one getting the patient back on the soccer field or back to work. I'm the patient getting that, or the person getting that person out, whether that's to rehab, to home health, to outpatient PT, or admitted to the hospital, but they have to leave, and I need to help get them out. Yeah, but see, you you understand clearly um, what the next possible options are. Um, it's called, Stephen Johnson wrote a great book, uh, we should read this in book club. Okay. Where do I, where do good ideas come from? And he calls this the adjacent possible. And he's not talking about necessary. I'm just seeing a parallel. The adjacent possible for Steven Johnson is uh, envision yourself standing on an infinite chessboard, right? It's just squares and squares and squares in any direction. So no matter where you start, there is an adjacent, you can get to any square, but you mm -hmm. can go left. You know, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, there's eight directions you can go in because you're standing in a square. And he's like, it's the adjacent possible. You only have a couple of options you can choose from. And from there, you now have a couple options you can choose from. And from there, you can. So you understand where you are in the adjacent possible, which is yes. good. And how can I get them to that next square? And which square is the right square? Right. Yeah. 100%. Which one's right? What's possible? And then how? How How do I get that? Hey, you should go to um, w this rehab. And the patient's their next question. Great. How? What Great. do I yeah. do? Do I just show up? Like, oh, no, you, uh, let me help you with that. So how is also very. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty <laughs> critical, especially in the emergency department with our patients who don't have any resources. Well, I also. How? Right. 
and these are the, you just mentioned people like I don't even I've never even heard of a physical therapist at this point. Right. Now this person is telling me to do this other thing I've never heard of. That person, and I say this all the time, and I stole this. If you confuse your audience or your patient, you lose your audience. Yes. And I recently did a thread on um there are six questions you can ask: who, what, where, when, why, and how. Um there's the there's a good order to ask to ask those in. And to have those answered in. That's why I kind of paused there to have answers in. And I laid that out in the thread. I'll share that in the show notes too. Because when you jump to the minutia, when it's not bottom line up front, when it's when it's top line up front, we're like, that's nice to know. Gimme, gimme the need to know. I need to need because that's going to give you context quicker. So for me, like with communications projects, the order of those six questions is who, always oh, start with people because everything starts and ends with people. Who? And then we go with what in terms of the audience or the or the patient, then what in terms of the provider or the sender of the message? And then where your what's and their what's cross, that's your shared why. Now we have context. Who, what, what, why. Context has been achieved. How do we solve this? Where do we solve this? When do we solve this? That's all. Those are all mi minor, smaller details. Very important. But if you start talking about where are we sending this person, how are we getting them there, when are we... I don't know who this person... I don't know who, who are we talking to. So there is a good order too. And it's not just me, you know, with a communications degree saying questions are important and look how, you know, making um, something bigger out of, out of questions than they need to be. It is important. The order is important. And you're highlighting that. I think also the way you do it is important. So oh, to gosh. me, the communications piece in the emergency department is an art. And because you have to establish rapport very quickly, you have to establish therapeutic alliance almost immediately. If I tell you, hey, you know, Jimmy, you've got to go to rehab. I need you to leave leave your friends and family. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about it. I don't know what else to tell you. Like, that's not going to work. Or if you come in screaming every time somebody touches you, I need a minute with you. I, I have got to communicate with you in a way that makes you feel safe and ready because you you're not going to hear me and you're not going to be in any kind of position to accept any communication from me unless I focus on that first. So I would say I, I appreciate that there's like a, a good order to do all of that in. But before we even start, we have to find a way to be heard. And that takes some groundwork in this particular setting. Yeah, And it starts with who? Yes. It's got to start with who because every who's different because you're working with people. Yes. You want to talk about the most complicated things. It's not computers. It's not AI. It's not machine learning. It's mm -mm. not drones or robots. It's people. There was a great Homer Simpson line, and his line goes, alcohol, the cause of and solution to most of life's problems. And I changed it. I was like, people, people, the cause of but solution to all of yes, life's problems. For sure. And, and what makes people unique I think really shows up in a bigger way in the emergency department because mm. you get to see people at their very worst. Yeah, I bet. They're most scared, they're most down, they're most vulnerable. I bet. And some people behave very badly and other people are terrified and some people are okay, but you never know what you're going to walk into. Yeah. And you have That's... to pivot. Yeah. Fast. I'm just trying to even wrap my, I mean, I've never worked in an ED, so I'm even trying to wrap my head around, gosh, yeah, you must be prepared for pretty much everything. Yeah. Or try, to, try to, as best as you can. Well, at any age, any emotional status, substance abuse, intoxication, um, you know, 
huge language barrier issues frequently, confusion, altered mental status. Family members can be a thing, either like super positive or super negative or somewhere in between. Uh, different, Different stress levels of the team around you can also impact your ability to engage with people. So it's a, it's a very dynamic practice area because of those factors. You never know what you're going to get. That's great. Well, thank you for being there. And thanks for helping others get there. Cause you do that. You, you, you help people launch programs, right? Talk about that for mm-hmm. a second. You, you help people go from where you were to now to get to where you are. Yeah. So I feel like every emergency department needs a physical therapist because of the things that I've talked about, because it's a safety net, because patients need us, because earlier access is better and we're the right provider at the right time. So my goal is to make physical therapists practice in the emergency department well-known and well-practiced. And so what I do from that perspective is I provide continuing education to, to people who work in that setting or to people who want to work in that setting, as well as consulting so that I can help you start a program. I can I can help like just give you some general ideas. I can mentor you through that or I can come and do it all for you and get you up and going because the most sustainable programs are going to be the ones that start appropriately and on target, just like you were talking about. I am helping, I won't say who, I'm helping a major organization within PT launch a podcast. And when I told them what I was going to charge for that, they were like, that's insane. And then I Hmm. walked them through what you just said. I was like, listen, I got three options. One, I recorded a bunch of videos. Do it on your own. Do your thing. Good luck. Mm -hmm. And then and then you could probably do that. If you if you have the, the hustle, you could do that. The second one is I'll help you do it. I'll mentor you, whatever. I'll go along the way. And then you kick me out of the nest as you go and fly. And the third is I'll do it all all for you. And I said, don't do the third option. Do the first. And like, why? And I'm like, because then you'll never be able to get rid of me. Yeah. Unless you're learning. I'd rather teach you because that's sustainable. And this way, it's not Jimmy's version of doing it. I'll be with you until you're supposed to fly. You're supposed to fly. This is your thing. And that's what you're saying in terms of I'll get you going. Yes. And, 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 by, and by the way, you need me along the way. Six months, a year, you run into I'm a new here. problem you yeah. didn't have. Call me. I solved the problem. And I think stakeholder buy-in is one of the things that I'm the best at. Like I can show up. Yeah, I can show up, build that buy-in for you, help you get the data that you need to prove like your worth and your value. And then once you start providing the patient care, nobody's turning back. Right. It's right in the way. It's I mean it's obvious. It's 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 not obvious till it is. Isn't that funny? It's like it's no, no, no. And then it's like, oh gosh, we can't Oh, we can't live without you. Yes. And 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 I think we should be irreplaceable in that setting yeah Uh, once you fill the gap it's full and then you don't want to who wants after the plumber comes and fixes the leak are you like yeah i'm okay with the leak coming back just turn the faucet back on let's just get leaking no you never do that so we do book club let's give a plug for book club yeah so our next book club is going to be november 1st and i can't remember the title of the book that we're talking about what are we talking about oh is this um, the memory one i can't oh man total fail Wait, you, I'll look that up. You talk about some of the other books we talked about. I mentioned Upstream, oh, which is a good Yeah, so book. Upstream is such a good one, especially for, if you work in healthcare. It's really about like solving problems before they start. And physical right. therapists should be in that space. We, we also talked about how to be an anti-racist ally, which physical yeah. therapists must do that. We did Chris Voss, uh, Never Split the Difference, negotiate yes. what depended on it. The one that's coming up. This is good. This episode is released in November. So the book club that we're talking about just oh, all right. it'll have just passed. Uh, Moon Moonwalking with Einstein, mm-hmm. which is about a guy who went to the World Memory Championships as a journalist to just cover it as a journalist and was like, Oh my God, this is so crazy. And the guy who won that year that he was covering it was like, I can anybody can learn this. Anybody can be the memory champion. 
fast forward a year later, the journalist is now beating the memory champion. So he proved the he was the proof of concept. But I want to learn some of this because how, how great would that be to have some of these memory powers? Well, and I think particularly if you're in the emergency department, you have to have them because you've got to keep moving. You don't have time to document. You don't have time to sit down and write things down. You can't take notes. Like you got to remember. I would like to re literally remember where I put my glasses or my phone. So if any of these tricks in this book can help me do the simple things, I will be thrilled. I think hopefully that's the case. I have only read the introduction, so I'm not it sure. Only, it only it also keeps you uh, on task. It's like when you join a running club or cycling club or swim club or whatever. It's like, okay, like, because for some reason, pre-COVID, I was crushing books. Like I would mm. read, I would read, I was reading two or three at a time. I know you read a lot. Yeah, five at a, four at a time. I read four then, books. Then time. when COVID hit, I was like, got all this time. Stopped reading for some reason. I don't Jimmy. know what it was. What? Well, there was a you, lot have to get, you have to get back to the books because they're the best. And the other books that we've read that I thought were particularly helpful, think mm -hmm. again, Adam Grant. Adam Grant is great. He's a, That he's was a really good. Player. And then, um, oh, what was it called? The one with Vivek Murthy. Together? Um, was it called Together? together? I still got, yeah, yeah, that was a good Okay, one. if you haven't read that book and you're a physical therapist, I need you to read that book because... Former Surgeon General. Yes, it was about the epidemic of loneliness. And I feel like we are so well positioned to help people with that. And I see that so often with what I do. And Patients who have no one. And I know he like threw like epidemic of loneliness. And I'm, are we overusing this um, phrase epidemic? And uh, he was the former Surgeon General. But still, it doesn't mean he's not overusing it. When you read the first chapter or two, you're like, oh, because he brings he brings numbers. He brings stats. He does. Like he's not, he's not, it's not a metaphor. Like he, it's, it's a legit thing. Yeah. 100%. So I think those were some of our great books. And, and I like to take those little pieces and share them with my patients. And I find that every time we read a book for book club, there are things that I can take immediately into the clinic with me. But what the best part is, is talking to other PTs about it yeah, and hearing how they apply it to their practice. How do we want to get people uh, into the book club? What should someone listening? Who's like, give me into your book club. What would we tell them to do? Should I put well, the link in the show notes or what? Yeah, I think we should do that. And then we in, our social media stuff. So yeah, we in, the, in the happy hour stuff. group, we have, we'll have a link for registration. All right. I'll put the link for the happy hour group in the face, in the Facebook, uh, for the Facebook group as well in the show notes. Are you ready to do three questions? Oh gosh. I need a sip of my buble. Have a sip of your buble. All right. Three questions brought to you by our friends from physical therapy and balance centers. Uh, on average, a private practice that joins the physical network grows by more than 40%. You don't lose your autonomy. They teach you. They, they grow with you. So if you're ready to uh, discover how the largest network of private practice PTs is growing and adapting to industry changes, visit physicalfranchise.com. It's F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L franchise.com. Spell it funny. F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L franchise.com. First question, who's someone the audience should, uh, should find or follow to learn more about PT in the ED. Who else is someone besides you? You're obvious, but who's the not obvious? Oh my gosh, there's so many people. I would say Char Carlene Jogodka. There, okay. There's going to be a PT uh, emergency PT conference in November. Megan Mitchell, she does disaster response for physical therapists. Which Talking is to her on, on, on Niche Member. She's coming up. Love it. Um, Stacey Fruth and Sarah Neckbottle, all good people to follow. Cool. All right. That's uh, question two now. What do we got? Oh, what's something the audience should should take a look at if they want to take a deeper dive into learning how to, like, do you have, you have resources, you've produced resources for this. Like if someone was like, okay, I'm nodding, I'm nodding. What would you lead them to? What What's the first thing they should download or read or whatever? Uh, I would say that our website has a lot of great things on it. 
the edddpt.com. We've got a journal clubs that you can, past journal clubs you can listen to. You so you can kind of get caught up on that. We have continuing education options. I have a resource list with over a hundred references supporting physical therapist practice in the emergency department. We have blogs. There's a podcast. And today we just started something called uh, Take Five, which is five takeaways from an article about emergency PT practice. If you have five minutes, you can kind of learn something new very fast. I like it. What's uh, why should people care about today's topic, which was PT and ED? Like, what's your like? You should care about this because statement. You should care about this because we are helping find more patients for you if you're an outpatient PT. We are helping move the needle on earlier access to physical therapy. We are hopefully helping with decreasing utilization of overimaging and opioid prescription. And we are keeping patients safer by getting them discharged appropriately. I just checked my notes. Uh, I checked the math. Those all check out. Those are valuable. Last thing we do on the show is the parting shot. Party Shop brought to you by our friends in the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Find them online at orthopt.org. They are the leaders in, wait for it, orthopedic physical therapy. I know, you didn't see that coming. Uh, their great gold standard resource is current concepts of orthopedic physical therapy. They're in their fifth edition now. It is the perfect roadmap to get you from wherever you are to taking that OCS exam. You want to walk into that exam confident and competent. Right? You're not just flinging yourself at an OCS. This is something you prepare for. Current Concepts can do that. Find it online at orthopt.org. Parting shot, Rebecca, is your last chance at a mic drop moment or a soapbox statement. What is your parting shot today? I think my parting shot is that physical therapy shouldn't be a luxury for people and that we need to do a better job of getting to our patients, whether that's expanding our hours, practicing more inclusively, or filling the gaps with innovation. We need to be where our patients are. Boom. Be where the patients are. Uh, Rebecca Griffith, appreciate you coming on the episode. Thanks for your time. Thank you. You see the best conversations happen at happy hour. Well, thanks for coming to ours. Like what you hear? Tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. The show today is brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. The Brooks IHL offers seven on-site PT residencies, including orthopedics, women's health, geriatrics, pediatrics, sports, and neurology, as well as a neurologic OT fellowship, a competitive OMPT fellowship, and a speech therapy clinical fellowship. Therapists that complete a residency or fellowship through the Brooks IHL will markedly advance their knowledge and skills in a specialty area of practice. Learn more about how a residency or fellowship can help you advance your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. PTPinecast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at BuildPT.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. 
We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.